0: the interesting thing that we can notice when considering these three commandments as a group is that they sort of form the very basic structure for a just society. The bare minimum, really. I mean, just consider that for a moment. If there was a society in which people were permitted to steal, murder, and be sexually immoral without so much as the acknowledgement that these things are wrong, Would you consider that a just society? Is that the sort of society that we should strive for? Well, the clear answer here is, of course, that it is not. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I am your host, thank you for joining us today. Welcome back to our series on the Ten Commandments. And as you may have noticed, this episode is titled as Part 7, which means that there are, in fact, some episodes prior to this one to enjoy. And while these episodes do still certainly stand alone a little bit, I would definitely say that they go better together, which is exactly why this is a series. So I would highly encourage you, if you haven't listened to the episodes previous to this in the series, to just pause this real fast, go back, give those a listen, and then pick back up with our discussion today. And the last episode in our series, part six, is actually particularly relevant to the discussion today. So once again, I would really encourage you, if nothing else, to just go back and listen to last week's episode before you get into this one, because they really sort of go hand in hand. So with that, I will assume that if you're still here, then you're in it for the long haul today. So as we did with the episodes prior to this in the series, let's go ahead and start off by reading the verses from Exodus 20 that this topic of the Ten Commandments comes from. And those verses specifically are Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Alright, so for those who listened last week, you may recall that I sort of alluded to the fact that this week's episode would tie in with the two commandments we discussed last week, and so it shall. But first things first, we need to talk about the third commandment in this grouping here on its own. Uh, and the next commandment in our series, which is, you shall not steal. So this one is exactly as it sounds, just like the two commandments prior, and with all these commandments, they're, they're fairly straightforward. But of course, there is still a little bit here to discuss. So first, let's go ahead and define what it means to steal, just to ensure that we're all working from the same starting point for this. So I have a couple definitions here for this word, steal. The first is to take another person's property without permission or legal right without intending to return it. And the second would be uh, dishonestly passing off another person's ideas as one's own. So in spiritual terms, there are many things that can contribute to the weight of theft, of stealing. And one element that we can see, even just from these basic definitions here, is that inherent with stealing is deceit and dishonesty. And there will, of course, be more detailed points on this next week when we tackle the commandment about false witness, but one very important thing to note here is the link to the way in which Satan is described in Scripture, such as in John chapter 8 verse 44 where he's called the father of lies because often it's easy to think of something like stealing or lying for that matter as just a minor transgression or small beans, you know so to speak next to things like murder and adultery but they are no less serious spiritually there's no gray area or middle ground here By breaking these commandments, we are not only being disobedient to God, we are modeling the behavior of the enemy, of Satan himself. One verse that I feel really displays the opposition between these two, those being breaking the Lord's commandments or serving him faithfully, is John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so when I read that verse, it really paints the image in my mind, the the conflict between these two pictures. So that's one element of this. Another important aspect to this commandment that we ought to bear in mind is that stealing goes beyond only the taking of physical property. Particularly in our modern times, This might apply to the ideas or intellectual property of others, for instance. And that ties right back to the element of dishonesty that we've been discussing here. So one final aspect of this commandment that some will point to is the stealing of a person as being something that's marked as distinct, such as in Exodus chapter 21 verse 16. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So this is just one example of Scripture that outlines the severity of something like slavery, and is perhaps a connection with this commandment here, certainly one that I've seen referenced from time to time. So I wanted to make sure that we discussed this tie-in that we have here at some point during today's episode. So now, let's discuss how these three commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, relate to one another, and how they can be examined as a grouping here. So these three commandments appear together in many verses across the Gospels, and really the New Testament as a whole. A few of which would be in verses like Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Mark chapter 19, verse 18, or Romans chapter 13, verse 9, which we'll read a little bit later. And that's no coincidence, because the interesting thing that we can notice when considering these three commandments as a group is that they sort of form the very basic structure for a just society, the bare minimum, really. I mean, just consider that for a moment. If there was a society in which people were permitted to steal, murder, and be sexually immoral without so much as the acknowledgement that these things are wrong, would you consider that a just society? Is that the sort of society that we should strive for? Well, the clear answer here is, of course, that it is not. Now, I know that some people may be sitting there nodding their heads and thinking, uh, hey, you just described the society that I'm living in right now. And for anyone who finds themselves sitting right there in that situation, I will apologize somewhat. You know, I'm not trying to cause a panic for anyone, simply taking a look at this and approaching a just and moral society from a biblical stance. And, you know, it's important as we look at this, that we also hone in on the fact that these are not the complete boundaries for a just society. The most generous term that we could give to these even would be just the bare minimum. And that is one mistake that that many are quick to fall into, and one that we as people have always wrestled with. Jesus addresses just such a misunderstanding in the Sermon on the Mount. And this time, we will not read the passages on anger and lust, since we just looked at those last week. But I do want to look a bit earlier in Matthew chapter 5 and read a passage on this here. And it's actually going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And as we have touched on in previous episodes, it isn't that Christ is changing or contradicting the Old Testament Scripture. What he is doing here is opening our eyes to understand what it truly means to serve the Lord. And in verses 21 through 28 of the same chapter, he does just that concerning the commandments on murder and adultery that we talked about in our last episode. And there was a false understanding that these commandments which we know to be the, the bare minimum of sorts for a just society, people thought that this was all-encompassing of what it meant to follow God and live in accordance to his will on these subjects. And as Jesus teaches, however, uh, the potential for sin goes far beyond simply these physical actions. And this is a misconception that even today I think we are quick to fall into, How often do we rationalize away our sin? How often do we brush off what we would categorize as, quote, little acts of disobedience to God, all the while telling ourselves that because we aren't murdering, stealing, or committing adultery in the physical sense, that we are a, again I'll use air quotes, good person, or that we have nothing left to work on in our walk with God. It's a dangerous trap to fall into, equating the physical ramifications of our sin with the spiritual weight of disobedience to God. And yet, all too often, we are quick to jump right in to that fallacy there. So I think that that's a big point that we have to remember. These do form a foundation for a just society, but they are by no means all-encompassing. There is another, perhaps a bit lighter note, that we can take from these three commandments, though, and that is the acknowledgement of the civilizing effect that Christianity has on humanity as a whole. Because despite the hateful and cruel picture of Christianity that is often painted by those opposed to it, if we look objectively on the commandments laid out in Scripture, it's very difficult to deny that within Scripture is a moral structure that pushes us to behave not in a way that would have us simply chasing our fleeting desires, but in a way that would have us deal fairly and justly with one another, showing love to one another, and putting others before ourselves. Even many atheists would likely agree that something like murder is objectively wrong despite lacking a concrete moral foundation upon which to base that belief, a foundation that Christians have in the Word of God. And the Christian faith has a powerful effect on the civility of individuals. And these three simple commandments form the most basic structure for that. So one point that I love concerning this topic actually comes from Dennis Prager. Well, I guess less of a point, a little more of an anecdote. Uh, And I will say that I most definitely do not agree with everything that he says. So I will urge those listening to be cautious concerning some of his teachings. Even still, this point I have found to be very applicable in discussions like this. And so the story goes sort of like this. He says, imagine that you're driving your car home one night. And your car breaks down. You don't have cell signal. And where you broke down is in a little bit of a dicey part of town. It's not the best area. And all of a sudden, there alone in your broken-down car at night, you see three men walking towards you. Would you be relieved to know that those men had just left a Bible study? And, of course, the answer that many of us would say is, absolutely, I would be relieved. And, of course, you know, there's no guarantee that just because a person went to a Bible study that he or she will act morally. But the point here is that there is a recognition of the power that God's word and faith in God has on the way that we live our lives. And as I mentioned a bit ago, many will still paint Christian faith as the enemy, however. It may seem as though This is a development of our modern age, but in reality, this is something that has always been the case. When we're faced with this, I would urge you to simply cling to God. And I want to share a great passage of encouragement on this very topic that comes to mind here. It's going to be John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. If the world hates you, and hated both me and my father but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled they hated me without a cause but when the helper comes whom i will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning so finally With regards to applying these commandments beyond simply their most basic meaning, I would offer this passage from Romans 13. It's going to be verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I know that was a lot of scripture right here at the end of the episode, but I think that those passages are just so helpful, first regarding the rejection that we often experience in the world, and then furthermore on how we can live out these commandments in a myriad of situations that we are sure to encounter throughout life. So with that in mind, I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series looking at the Ten Commandments, and I pray that something said in this episode was a blessing or an encouragement to you. And with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings.